0: Welcome back Rage Nation. So a real quick shout out that I want to give people is one of our friends from Charleston, South Carolina started creating a bunch of tokens and a bunch of widgets and a bunch of other things that people need for their wargaming needs. And he does this with his awesome 3D printer that he decided to pick up. He started an Etsy page, it's called bardingtokens.com and if you go to that you can get lots of things for Malifaux, you can get steppers, you can get Tokens for you know your corpse uh, drops and schemes. You can also get base identifiers for things like Warhammer Underworlds, D and D identifiers, and lots, lots more. Even creates things like dividers and things that you can put in your foam. So check them out. Really decently priced, and I'd highly recommend it. Just good solid printing that will definitely help in your tabletop gaming needs. If you want to support the show make sure that you use the code RAGEQUIT. Once again, that's at bardingtokens.com. Now, on to the show. Welcome back, Rage Nation. Definitely not PR friends. This world Myself, Pete.
1: He needs to stop, like, fucking getting cute with these kicked.
0: John the Mount Man Stokes. You're not putting them on my models, motherfucker. Chris the non-tech Asian. Put the tape measure up and get some wages. You, yeah, no, you really frustrated me. <laughs> you walked away and you came back and your
1: scalpel had been thrown across the room. <laughs> I'm just here so I don't get fined. I will will share with you my one Rage Quit story.
0: You know, I'm a robot and I don't have a soul press now 8 This is going to be a really great opportunity for everybody to see how you effed up. Welcome back, Rage Nation. We got our social distancing episode. Got Pete back here with uh, Isolated Chris. How you doing, bud? Uh, I'm doing okay. I'm like a technological wizard now, just to let everyone
1: know. I made my yeah, computer tru- work so tru- we we'll could record your, this. Uh, computer.
0: Yep, that's right. <laughs> All by yourself.
1: Uh, I wouldn't go that far. But <laughs> I, I did make Google Chrome work again when it wasn't working. By uninstalling it and reinstalling it. Brand new skills. Which are basic skills for other people. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, I, I'm i changing the game. All right. So, Chris, why did we uh,
0: decide to record tonight?
1: We're bored as fucking hell. <laughs> just
0: bored as balls right now. <laughs> well, and I also, I also thought it was good just because I feel like it's a good time to record and get some content out. One, because we have time working from home and stuff, but also just that people need stuff to do. And I know, I don't know about you, Chris, but I've been listening to a lot more podcasts since uh, the social distancing has started. Yeah, I well, I do lots of audiobooks
1: too. So podcasts, audiobooks, I throw all that. Yeah, so
0: what we're going to try to talk about today is just since we are kind of not able to do the social stuff that we like, because generally speaking, tabletop gaming is a social thing, right? You're supposed to go out, hang out, play games and do whatever. But obviously you can't do that as much in our current climate. So we just thought we'd talk about some options that we have, uh, some things we've been doing to stay occupied and yeah, just kind of like how you can try not to go insane during these trying times. I'm not doing well with that. But sure, I'll go ahead and give some people some hot takes. So what are what are some challenges that you've had, Chris, just as we've kind of gotten into this new lifestyle? Um,
1: motivation's a big one, right? You wake up and you're like, well, do I have to leave the house today? Uh, no. Well, does that mean I need to shower? <laughs>
0: so your biggest question is, do I need to put on pants today? Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. Like do I have to updress for a, a meeting over the internet? <laughs>
0: you know what I'm correcting it, right? My work computer. Yeah. My okay. my work computer doesn't even have uh, have a camera, so when we do our meetings, I I literally just doesn't matter.
1: <laughs> yeah, so that's uh that that's the big one is you know, when you just have nothing to do and you just meander around the house all day and so i've found that like it's good for me to put some limitations on my day that like cause me to get going like for example like one of the first things that i do not do is just turn on the tv right i want to make sure that like in the morning i'm getting something done or reading something
0: or you know not just vegging out immediately yeah so painting in the morning would be a good idea. <laughs> yeah, we'll go through some of the things that definitely are some good things to do during this time. Uh, I would agree that just motivation is probably the biggest one because it's just like you're you're at your house, you're staring at the walls and it's why why do I need to do anything today? Or, you, you know, you get – I found that actually – I don't know if this is true for some other people, but I actually feel like as since I'm a teacher, a lot of the times, if you aren't careful, your work can actually become more work at home because you're in front of the computer and people are sending you emails. And you're like, oh, I'll respond to that one. I'll respond to that one. And next thing you know, it's like six o'clock and you're still replying to email. So I think that's another challenge is if you start working online and you stay connected, because we're all connected, all the time. So I feel like it's hard to disconnect. And when your job goes online, it can be hard to disconnect from your job and say, okay, I'm done working for today. I think that's a very important step in this kind of transitional lifestyle.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I, I mean, one of the, one of the things that I love about my life now is that I don't have a whole lot of homework as opposed to like when I was yeah. in college and stuff. And so I think that bringing that stuff home Definitely kind of stresses out home, and I don't like that. So I try to keep all that out there.
0: Yeah, you also have, like, your family with you. And, I mean, people love their family, but when you're stuck with them all the time, you can only take so much.
1: Rub it in that I'm so lonely over here. Jeez, thanks a lot.
0: (laughs) Or you're like Chris (laughs) and you just start to get very depressed (laughs) just me and my dogs that's it so I saw somebody post online they said not to brag but it's a good time to be single and childless (laughs) (laughs) yeah I
1: mean uh, to be honest it's really not this social distancing thing I definitely have motivation issues during it and I have the stress of you know I need to make some money. I need to pay my bills, all that kind of stuff. I work a job that's like straight commission for those that don't know. And so there's like stresses there. But as far as like the day-to-day, I don't really have a ton of responsibilities as far as, you know, taking care of kids or anything like that. So, I mean, like it's wake up, make sure I don't turn the TV on, do some reading. Maybe it's comic books. Who knows? You know, whatever, whatever, whatever comes to mind. Maybe it's painting models. And then, like, around the middle of the day, I'm like, do I need to go out for anything? Probably not. Okay, let's move on to the next phase of my day, which is deciding what I'm going to make for dinner. Let's watch some YouTube videos about these recipes. Thank you, Gordon Ramsay. And then, you know, just kind of meander into my afternoon, evening, make some dinner. And then at night, then I, like, flip on the TV and veg out. And I just have, like, this yeah, boring ass repetitive life,
0: but it is very easy. I will admit that it is a very easy routine without family. Yeah. And and I think that's part of the challenges. And if you do live with people, we'll kind of talk to this, talk to this point as we kind of go along here, but it is important to separate somehow in the house and have your own personal time, because if you don't, you can really start driving yourself and your family up the walls. So Yeah, we don't need you to
1: turn into, like, Jack Nicholson in The Shining.
0: So, Chris, we are isolated. Yes, people still do. Like, if I wanted to, I could go over to your house and drop some stuff off and maybe, you know, shoot the shit and stuff. And it it wouldn't be that big of a deal, right? Yeah, maybe
1: play some games over here.
0: Yeah, and and they're recommending not to do that stuff. But I think as long as you're generally isolating yourself and staying away from people for an extended period of time, it's okay uh, to just visit a friend once in a while. Uh, obviously, I'm not trying to go see Joe or any other of our elderly friends as much because that's not recommended. Stay just away from the nursing homes, Chris. Joe's
1: so fucking old. Anyway, um, yeah, yeah The uh, I, I'm kind of like social distancing by default. Like, I don't feel passionately about social distancing, but like everyone's just kind of staying home and there's just not a lot of shit to do. But like... Absolutely. If somebody wanted to roll on over here and wanted to break into a new game or, you know, get in a game, I would totally do that. Like, I, I, I'm I'm, not super invested in the social distancing thing.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I'm not super invested either. I'm just avoiding anything where it's like more than one of my friends coming over. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not having uh, four or five people over. Which we would normally do. So that's something that I am definitely changing. But like you said, if somebody wants a random game, and as long as I know they're a clean person and they have good habits, which I think most of our good close friends do, you know, I'll still invite a person over occasionally, but I've, <laughs> I haven't seen another person besides at the grocery store since like moving day, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which is like almost a week ago. I will tell you that
1: if you want to catch people when they don't have shit to do, like to help you move or something like that now would be a good time, right? <laughs> yeah. Cause as we I, helped you, I move. Asked <laughs> you
0: guys and I, knew, I knew y'all weren't doing anything. So I was like, eh, come on. Yep. So Chris, what do we do to combat this? What are some, let's stick with, we'll start kind of nerd based and then we'll kind of okay. work out. But what so are n- some not, now that, that we've do just
1: it. played psychiatrist a little bit, <laughs> yeah,
0: giving little bit. some
1: people some, some coping th- mechanisms. So
0: what are some things we do?
1: Yeah, All right. so I think that as far as nerds go the first thing is actually paint some fucking models (laughs) and I have Yeah, I, I have not taken my own advice on this yet but I will, like, I will have the Neverborn models that I've gotten painted and actually, while I have you on this, let's take an aside and I think people will be interested in this and you can give me some ideas So, the models that I got of, like, the Dreamer are these, like, red or pink translucent-type models. And so how would you go about painting those? Because, like, I'm thinking, like, obviously I don't want to just prime over them and you lose the whole effect of them looking like ghosts, right? But yeah, I I, I, I tried to get some tips online. I think that, you know, there, there were different ideas, but... One that seemed like a good idea was to put a clear a clear coat over it so at least the paints had something to stick to and then you can just paint the things that you want to paint.
0: So let me ask you this Chris out of looking cuz I'm looking at the models right now what parts do you want to keep that kind of pinkish red clearness? I would imagine you want the things that you want to keep with that color are the organic parts of
1: their body. So like their head, their arms, their legs, but you could then paint their shirt, right? To where they look like a ghost in a shirt, right? A ghost Mm. in clothes,
0: right? Like that, I imagine that's the way that you'd want to approach those, right? But what do you think? Me personally, I, I mean, me personally, I think I would just prime them and paint them the way I want. But if you're really, if you like the way that kind of clearness looks, then I would just take some like painter's tape around the areas you don't want primed. And you want to keep that look. Also, if you had an airbrush, that would be a really good tool to use to prime that.
1: Yeah. That
0: and way then, you could just prime the shirts and the teddy bear.
1: Yeah. I saw. So I saw, so that's not the teddy bear one. That's the one where he's actually holding the monster's hand. Um, at least the that one that, that I got. That is. Yeah. So like there's no. one where he is holding it, like dragging along a teddy bear, but that's the one where he's actually holding the hand of a monster, which I think is awesome. Uh, One person gave the idea of using, like, inks and the contrast paints, and they said that works out really well with those translucent models.
0: So Uh, Maybe. (laughs) I I would have to see how well that sticks to the models, which actually I was going to talk about uh, contrast paints here pretty soon. But um, Hey, you're welcome for the segue. I I would give it a try. (laughs) I would try it out. But have you used a lot of those contrast paints yet? No, I have
1: two, though. So I'm... I have red and I have blue, so we're going to get to
0: them. Dude, so a lot of the blue contrast paints are like on point. The amount of detail that it it gives, I use them on my uh, Terra Crew. And that blue contrast paint is really slick, especially if you prime a lighter color. Uh, The red, you want to be a little careful of because it can come out pink sometimes. But it generally is pretty good as long as you... Layer it correctly. I've actually been really impressed with the contrast paints personally. So I think that the blue contrast paint
1: on those models will look fucking awesome. Because they have that like... I think so too. Reddish translucent color. So like I'm either going to get a blue or maybe it'll combine to where it has like a purplish. Which would Mm -hmm. still be cool for that Dreamer set.
0: Oh yeah, for sure.
1: And then I didn't get a Lord Chompy Bits that's the... That matches that i got the new lord chompy bets which is like the better model
0: anyway because the old one just doesn't look as good generally speaking looking at the contrast paints i it, i wasn't a fan when i first got them because when you work with them they're a little watered down so it can be challenging to basically kind of keep it where you want it But after you kind of learn to control it a little bit, it's just really slick, especially the black that they have with the contrast paints. I would recommend that black for anybody that's a new painter because black traditionally, and you can probably speak to this, Chris, is tough to paint correctly. But that contrast paint, the black is just so smooth. You just put one layer of it on and it just looks like some kind of black leather or some kind of like black skin tone, depending on what you're going for that really layers really well and it's it's a pretty cool effect so i I am pleasantly surprised with a lot of those contrast paints so okay when talking about those
1: contrast paints because i haven't used them yet but i think that this is a good time to give some people some advice on them so i'm imagining that they're going to be like a glaze almost like they're not going to be as thin as a wash or an ink but they're going to be almost like a glaze and My concern is that I'm going to paint with them and then get those like coffee stain marks like like, you know how plastic models sometimes get those blotchy blotchy elements to the paint job. Yeah, when they're like cheap plastics. So what are your thoughts on that? How do you avoid that? Is that just going to come with the territory with these? What are your two cents?
0: Yeah, it's just like a wash when you put it on if you let it puddle. It's going to kind of create not really the desired effect you want. So anytime you see a big puddle like that, you just kind of want to smooth it out. It's definitely one of those things where you can't just glob it on there. You have to layer it. And then if you want it a little darker, you have to kind of go through again with another light layer after it. So it's just one of those things where it's like the washes where you just have to monitor the pooling effect that you get with it. And Generally speaking, it's pretty easy to monitor that. Like I said, I usually just put on one light layer, kind of see what it looks like when it dries and then go over it again in the spots that I want to darken it up. Okay. Something something else people need to think about too, and I'll try to find and post if I find it on Twitter that there's a guy that did the colors, but he did it with different basing combinations, meaning that... He put what the color the contrast paint looks like when you put it over white primer, when you put it over black primer, when you put it over gray primer, tan primer. So he did all this combination so people could see because it does look different depending on what you're painting on top of. Uh, For example, the old bleach bone color that really kind of bone color white. If you take that bone color white and put that on a model's flesh and then you put one of the skin tones that i have i'll have to look it up and kind of see but one of the skin contrast paints it creates this really cool just dark kind of dwarvish tan effect and it's just one of those things where you have to kind of play with it to get the effects that you want with the paints and it just takes a lot of practice i didn't like some of them at first but the more i started manipulating them the more kind of the better combinations that i got with a lot of these contrast paints they're definitely worth the money but I would do some research on which ones you think you're going to use. And you also have to think with the contrast paints, there are certain textures that they go better with. So any fur effects are going to be great with the contrast paints. Any, uh, I would say any kind of cloaks usually go pretty well with the contrast paints skin. Like any muscles are really good with contrast paints. So, if I'm a new painter, these tools are really awesome just because they make you look better than a normal beginner painter would be. So Wait, are you saying they're liquid talent? They are liquid talent. <laughs> that fucking guy. Just like the washes. <laughs> but I think and the cool thing is you start to see experienced painters using these because this is just a tool that cuts out probably about two or three of my steps when I normally painted. It. So it's not like you can just do this and then it, your model is going to be beautiful. There's still a lot of blending and a lot of highlighting and dry brushing you can do on top of this. So it's they're just really cool paints to use to help make your model look better, easier. So typically when somebody is is painting,
1: right? They're going to go through and they're going to paint, they're going to base and then they're going to, you know, wash down and then highlight back up. Right. So they're going to they're going to take or or dry brush even for the highlight effects. Right. It almost seems like with these contrast paints, because of the way they fall in there, that you want to almost like maybe line the shadows and line the highlights and then just do a quick once over with the contrast paint. And then you've got all that stuff built in. You've got the shadows and the highlights built in, but you're doing it
0: before you put the contrast paint on. Is that am I thinking about this correctly? Yeah, you can do it that way. I I feel like that the contrast paints also cut out a lot of the washes that I had to do before to kind of paint the way I do because it is almost a wash, but it doesn't dull the color down. It's kind of a cool effect because it gives you the wash effect, but it doesn't tone your color down like the Nuln Oil and the brown washes do. So okay. it, it's a really cool effect. But okay. yes, you can use it the way you were talking about and it'll come out pretty cool in a lot of cases.
1: Okay. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to experiment. I'm, I'm excited to use these specifically with these translucent models, to use the contrast paints with the translucent models.
0: Yeah, hold and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull – let me pull out a couple of these contrast paints because I want to give some, like, which ones I like better than the others. Oh, you're going
1: to give some paint shout-outs so give, right give now? Give me one second. you want to
0: talk to yourself about something, Chris?
1: Oh, well, it's not the first time that I'd be talking to myself. But, yeah, I hope that with these contrast paints – I'm going to be able to specifically get some cool effects with those translucent models. And then I also want to experiment with them moving forward specifically on, cause they're expensive as all hell. Uh, I want to experiment with them on things that they do really well with like the fur, like the cloaks, that type of stuff. And then obviously I'll keep my traditional painting methods. I would imagine uh, for, other things and other textures. I don't know what those textures are yet. So, um, I don't, Pete, you could probably tell us what are the textures that we want to use the, uh, we don't want to use the contrast paints on.
0: Uh, so, so I'll get into the ones I like and don't like here in a second, but the, I would say anything that is kind of a metallic surface, I wouldn't use them on. Okay. Uh, anything that it's like flat metal. Okay. Generally speaking, I haven't, I haven't found an effect with that, that I like. So armor is something I would stay away from them with. Uh, the only exception to that is I just painted the mountain that rides for song of ice and fire. And I used the black Templar contrast black paint on his armor because it was black and it looks pretty amazing. So That was the only exception with the armor that I've found so far. Hmm. Wait, is that my mountain that rides? No.
1: Okay. It's a different one. Wait, have I gotten all my Song of Ice and Fire models back from you? Yes. Okay. I wasn't sure if you were still holding some hostage.
0: (laughs) I wouldn't do that. Like Jamie Lannister
1: with his hand cut off.
0: (laughs) So here's some of the contrast paints that I like that have some really cool effects. Uh, Probably, I'm going to say the two that are just amazing, you should use them. Are the snake bite leather? I would go out and get that any day. It's a really badass brown leather effect. Anything for belts, bags, it's just really awesome texture or uh, contrast paint. And like I said, that black Templar black, amazing. Anytime I want to paint black now, that's what I'm going to. And then the other four that I really like is I love this Talisar blue, the contrast paint. I also really like probably the one that you got. I don't know if you got blood angels red, Chris, that's a good red. I don't know. Let me see. It's, it looks like a blood red, um, Gilliman's flesh. That's the contrast paint I use for skins after I paint on that bleach bone color. So that's a good combo Mm -hmm. as well. And then surprisingly, the apothecary white contrast paint is actually pretty good. Especially if you're doing like cloaks, any kind of type of cloth, parchment papers, uh, it's really good for. So those are the six that I'm like really enjoying right now as I'm painting. And then the two that I do not like, I do not like the uh, Magos purple just because a lot of times it'll come out pink instead of purple. So I haven't found a way I like using this yet, even though a couple people in our group really kind of swear by it. And then the Aethermatic blue, Another one I'm not too happy with. It's a really soft blue and I'm going to have to find a primer or find a color that I can put that over where it'll look good. I haven't been able to find one that I'm happy with yet, but I'm sure you can find combos with it, but I have not found it with those yet. Kind of softer colors, harder to work with when you're just getting used to these new contrast paints. But yeah, the six I mentioned are great. Like I said, that snake snake bite leather and that, Black Templar, Black Contrast paints, and then I'd even probably add the third one I like the best is that Talisar Blue. Take those three to the bank, get them, use them, love them. Okay, so the ones that I got, so I've got the Blood Angels Red, and yeah, then I've got going? the Ultramarines Blue. I haven't tried the Ultramarine, Ultramarines Blue. It's probably a little lighter than the one I have, but it, if it's just a shade lighter, it'll probably be fine for you. Uh, I'm just not a fan of that athermatic blue yet. I haven't found a good use for that one. Okay. Well, very
1: exclusive ultramarine blue.
0: So, yeah, I would just say this is a good time to experiment with your paints. And hopefully you got enough models where if you're kind of, Chris, like you're thinking about, painting this new crew I would either use some of the cheaper models that are kind of easier or even models that you don't care about to try them out first just because when you're painting with a new medium it it can be a little challenging to get it to look what like great yeah so yeah I would definitely say painting something you want to work on while you're kind of stuck at home
1: yep I I would so are you somebody that would well see you just paint all the time no matter what so This is kind of a tough question for you to answer, but I prefer to go and do like a big painting session in like one shot where I'm like, I know I'm going to paint these, you know, however many, you know, a dozen models or 20 models or whatever, and just knock them all out real quick instead of having to pack up my stuff and then take it all back out for like one model each day. You know what I'm saying? I'd rather have like a big painting. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, and it's kind of better now because I actually have room set up with the new house that I just got where I can leave my paints out so I don't even have to pack them up all the time because I have my own nerd cave now. So I even have my own gaming table. Scott and I actually started a Malifaux game uh, the day after I moved into this place and we just left the models on the table and we're like, hey, when we get the time, you want to knock out this game? Sure, just leave it set up so it's a little different depends if you have the time because ideally i like to leave it out and as the day goes on even if i just have 10 minutes use 10 minutes to put a color on all the models that i'm painting and then go do something else but a lot of times i do my best painting when my family's watching tv i'll just kind of sit there and while we're watching something i'll just be painting and just knocking out a bunch of models and you know that's just the way i do it it's It's pretty, I can paint while I'm kind of listening and doing other things just because I do very, I guess you can call it just assembly line painting where I just have model. Literally, if you look at my table when I'm painting, I have models from like five different systems that I'm painting because I'm doing stuff for two different games I'm playing. I'm doing stuff for commissions and then maybe there's a random thing for maybe my son that I'm like, oh, I want to paint that model. I paint that up too, so Yep. Uh, Just multi painting, multi colors, just assembly line it, knock it out.
1: So, you were talking about how you can watch TV and paint models. I found that I can't do that. Like, when my eyes are on the model painting it, I can't then, you know, be watching TV. I just feel like I'm missing things in the shows that I want to watch and all that kind of stuff. So, I'd love to listen to podcasts, audiobooks, that sort of stuff to where my ears are available and it's not requiring a lot of thought for me to paint. But, I, I think that that works out best for me. So, I mean, there's it, a,
0: a tip for It somebody. would work out for me, too. The problem is with my family in the house, a lot of times I can't just plug them in my ear and forget about everything else because next thing you know, I have people yelling for me to go downstairs or something. Uh, so I would think that would be the best part of doing that. <laughs> just like, leave
1: me the fuck alone. Just F it. you're on your own kid (laughs) don't call me if there's any problems don't burn down the house (laughs) yeah
0: what else can we do besides paint obviously i've i've done a lot of painting through this so that's been something keeping me busy but what else nerd wise would you say you can do chris to kind of keep yourself occupied a little bit uh get into a brand new game
1: like god tier or so you know
0: so how would that help you out
1: I mean you know you just have a lot of time to kill, so it's a good time to study up on games and that sort of stuff i guess is that's that's kind of my thought process so um but then again, you know, as we're sitting here and if your income isn't the same because you're working from home or you're not working or whatever, then I guess getting into a new- idea, a new game would be like insane
0: to do well i would i was also. Just gonna say, Chris, I think it's a good time to buy stuff right now because some people are selling stuff really cheap. That that is very true. Like it is definitely a buyer's market
1: with because all. Because I've seen stuff.
0: some stuff for Malifo where I've been debating buying it just because I'm like, man, that's like twenty dollars for a crew. I could definitely do that. Yeah. Well, I
1: I got a good deal on these dreamer models um i think the guy was like really into it and he had extra models and stuff so i don't think that he like you know got taken for a ride or anything like that but uh he he just gave me a good deal i think because he wanted to clear out you know some of his stuff that he already had but wait
0: um, so you've been listening to podcasts have you listened to that episode about dreamer that craig put out maybe i have maybe i have and you don't listen
1: to it i don't need you to know what my plans are (laughs) <laughs> oh man
0: I don't good. need you to know my secret strategies good you need to John Stokes it and you know put your models on the table and play yourself no that'll be when I
1: play against you that'll be the, the time for that <laughs> oh man that, okay. I'll, I'll tell you what though that is like my worst way to learn is like just kind of listening to an instructional on like how to play it and then trying to apply it in a game like that. That's, that's the worst possible way for me to learn play games.
0: Well, but I, I think it at least gives you an idea of how some people play it. So that sure. way, when you put it on the table, you're not just totally lost. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- that's, that's true. But because I, I did the same thing listening to how Tara plays and listening to third floor war talk about it. I was listening to the deep dive and I'm like, okay, I kind of get how this works, but then I put it on the table first, time against scott and i looked at it and i'm just like okay how the hell does this actually work you know it's yeah right like, once you get on the table it's it it takes a minute to kind of connect it
1: yeah so i mean i can't tell you how many times i've like learned how to play games uh, first of all i am never the one that just reads the rule book and then teaches everyone else how to play i give the rule book to someone else and i'm like learn this and then teach me how to play please. um and i can't tell you how many times that like in those tutorials of how to play i'm just like i'm not feeling this or getting it and then and then and then like once we start playing i'm like okay cool this is how you play t- twilight imperium let's do it so <laughs> yeah it's, it, I, I i'm not i'm not good with that style of learning i guess now chris you're a tech guy right
0: oh yeah famous for it so those of you that are definitely social distancing and are not able to go out and play just because there's no one that wants to go out, nobody risking it for the biscuit, your store is closed, you can do some table topping online with Vassal. And that's that's one thing I wanted to bring up is Vassal is something that I think a lot of people are intimidated about. But once you try it a couple of times, it's very... It's definitely not the same thing as playing a game of Malphone in real life or a game of Guild Ball or whatever you want to play on Vassal. But you can still get a good game in and talk with somebody and still... I feel like it's good for getting repetition, but it's still not the real thing. So I was just getting trying to get your thoughts on that, Chris. What do you think about Vassal in general, even though I know you've never played it?
1: Yeah, so, well, let me... I, I don't know how to, how to... I'm intimidated to do that kind of stuff because I feel like I would, like, fuck it up and it would just be taking forever for me to learn it. So, um, yeah, I know nothing about Vassal or Tabletop Simulator, but let me use this opportunity to ask you, what's the
0: difference between Vassal and Tabletop Simulator? So, Vassal is 2D, so everything's two-dimensional. It's just overhead-looking. It's like the it's just like looking down on something and just getting a 2d kind of approach of it. And you just kind of work with each other and yeah, you just play the game as normal, but you just have to look at it two dimensionally. Whereas when you look at tabletop simulator, it's three dimensional and the graphics are a little wonky on it. So it's not perfect. It's not like you're looking at a real model, but the graphics aren't bad for it, but You can look at it online and look at some of the pictures and it's just like, okay, I mean, they look like the models and you get some idea of what it's like on the table and it's okay. But the the big difference I think also is I believe tabletop simulator you have to pay for, whereas Vassal is totally free. Vassal sounds like the right choice for me then. And honestly, for games like Guild Ball and games like Malifaux, I feel like you want Tabletop simulator is cool because you get the visual. So if you're more of a visual person where it's like, oh, yeah, I want to see the model and see like how it looks when it's moving on the board, that's fine. That's probably going to be your way to get into it. But if you just like the rules and figuring out your crew and how it interacts, figuring out guild ball and you know which captain you like the best then you want to go the vassal route just because that's more about the reps knowing you know the rules you don't need to see everything in 3D and it's a lot cleaner because there's i feel like the measuring tools are better in vassal so that's really the big difference between the two in my opinion i know that's over generalizing but that's that's a good way to start okay so now i've heard that
1: like the first time i play vassal it'll be like a life of hell with me trying to, like, stumble my way through it. So why will that be so shitty for me? Uh, do
0: you know what Control-C does? Uh, I I don't know. Like, copy something? I don't uh, Okay. Do you know what Control-V does? Paste it? <laughs> do you know how to delete wait, something no, wait, on wait. your keyboard?
1: Am I getting these answers correct thus far?
0: Y- you are. Yeah!
1: <laughs>
0: That's right. I'm a tech wizard. <laughs> so... Honestly, Chris, I mean, we pick on you for tech stuff, but you would be able to figure it out after a minute because you just click on the model, you hit control like five. That's going to measure a five inch bubble around the model that you picked. And then you go, "Okay, I'm going to move that five inches this way or five inches that way. And yeah, I mean, you use apps and stuff. So I played a game with Brandon Lynch today, at least started a game before we got interrupted. But we used the Malifaux M3E app while we were playing on Vassal and literally we just linked our game and I could see what the damage track was. We could see which models activated, how many stones there were. So a combination of the map and va- or the uh, app and Vassal made it really easy to play online and you just talk it out. And a lot of times if you have somebody that knows what they're doing, it's not that bad. You can take somebody that's Chris competent and play a pretty easy game.
1: Wait, 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 wait! Why did you just use me as like <laughs> a, as like a standardized measure a, a standardized measure for competency with tech? Man, you're because an it, asshole.
0: Because <laughs> because I feel like a lot of people just assume that the people that play Vassal are these hyper competitive technical people that you just can't get along with, and they're really not going to spend the time to teach you how to use the thing yes yeah, but honestly there's a lot of casuals that use vassal just because they like to just see how this crew works and the best thing is about vassal is you don't have to buy the models so you can literally play any crew in the game you want so it's a good way to also test the models that you don't have before you buy them
1: okay yeah which is a problem
0: nice. for me because i'm probably going to play some random crew and then i'm gonna have to buy like Bayou you or something yeah you're gonna be like a ma tucket player old ma took it
1: yep that's gonna be i mean i do
0: i do got to pick up zip from clay so i already have zip well zippity (laughs) doodah
1: for our younger listeners they'll never know what that refers to
0: yeah right so i would say definitely give it a try because there are a lot of vassal events going on right now since we can't really hold tournaments and gathering groups for example uh of the show, Zach Gray, he actually was going to do a guild ball tournament in Chicago and bring a bunch of people in, so since they can't do that, he's actually throwing a virtual birthday brawl guild ball tournament on Vassal. Yep, and that's on, I want to say it's April 25th. Yep, April 25th, and he just, he's throwing a tournament, and it's got, so far, 13 people signed up. I even signed up for it because Zach's a good friend that I haven't talked to in forever because, yeah, I just haven't been traveling as much for the guild ball tournaments. So I'm excited to play maybe against him and some other people that I just haven't talked to or haven't ever met. So a couple of these people, no, these are all U.S. people right now, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's a couple of global people that show up for this tournament. Mm, Okay. Another thing that's happening on Vassal, we're actually going to do a Malifaux Vassal League. So it's going to be a league that starts on Sunday of April 5th. And basically what that is going to happen is each week you're assigned one opponent that you get to play. And you just have to get that game in before the week is out. We record the results. And I'm going to try to get some some prize support from our local game store the final round because Jacob said he'd be interested in supporting that. It's just a 50 stone league. Just bring what you got. I'm going to generate a pool for people each week and just go to town on Vassal. So there's a lot of leagues and tournaments and stuff going on with Vassal. So you can still interact with people and still play the games you like. So when you have like, when you're playing on Vassal, like let's take the game with Brandon,
1: for instance, right? Um, It sounds like you just have that game in stasis right now to where you guys didn't finish it. But it like just automatically saves for you or something like that? Is
0: that yeah, you can save it. We just we canceled out of it just because we're like, ah, oh, we'll play another time, we'll actually get a game in. Okay. That was the first time him and I used Vassal for Malifo. So we more just wanted to get used to all the mechanics. Okay. And yeah, you know, we did, and we figured out a lot of it. So Is, yeah, is it, was it basically game.
1: was it was it basically like guild ball like just obviously with malifaux rules instead but like did it the functionality it was a, basically the same it
0: was a little different because we had to figure out i knew how the dice worked in the guild ball vassal version because you just click on the amount of squares for the amount of dice that you're rolling but there's actually a separate box for the malifaux cards so we had to figure out okay when we want to draw our control hand how's that look okay that works like this when I want to reveal three cards or when I do, you know, a double negative. So it's just getting used to the card aspect of it and then where some of the tokens we wanted to use were. But yeah, we found them. It it's not super hard. It's just figuring it out. Okay. And then I imagine
1: I uh, see I don't know if I'm like picturing this right, but this is a good time to have this conversation. So I imagine that if I was on there playing Obviously, the pieces and things would move move, and you'd roll dice or flip cards based on, you know, the that computer program. But I would also imagine that I'm using the app in my hand and mm-hmm. that I'm using like I'm, I'm just putting a sp- phone on like speaker to where
0: I'm able to talk with my opponent. Is that you or are you, are you could do it through the program? No, so you don't type, you do not do it through the program. You could do it through a phone if you wanted to, or you could do kind of like what we're doing right now where we're just talking through some kind of app. Uh, a lot of people use Discord because you can just call somebody up on your Discord and just talk to them through that, which you can do through your phone if you wanted to. So you could just look at your phone and be like, I want to voice chat with this person and hit the button and it'll voice chat with them.
1: Hmm, Okay.
0: Yeah, so I literally just called Brandon on Discord and we just talked on Discord while we were playing. Okay. All right. This is what most people do. Most people have a Discord. Even Chris is on Discord, even though you know Joe, who's fifty one, uses it more than Chris does.
1: Well, I took it off my phone because <laughs> I need to like free up some memory on my phone so that I could run some other you,
0: things. You need a new phone.
1: I probably do. I even like put a new SD card in there but I feel like the shit doesn't go to the
0: SD card that needs to go there. So I don't know. <laughs> okay. And I will say if you, if people do have more questions about Vassal, I'm actually going to put it in the uh, show notes, but Craig from third floor wars did a really great job talking about Vassal with Malifo, And you can get a lot of the same tips from what he says in that. Cause he even goes through like how to install it. Where do you get it? How do you find matches? What are some groups that you can find? So I'm going to link that that way. People can give that a listen if you're interested in that. Uh, And I'll also put the information for the Malifaux League that we're doing and the Guild Ball Tournament that we're doing on uh, Fassel. So, yeah, give that a check. And now is the time to learn because you're not – because I would much rather go play with somebody in real life, but that's just the times we're in right now. So until that gets up and I can can give Chris my best Forrest Gump wave – I just I'm gonna have to play on Vassal a bunch. I don't like the sound of this. Um, me neither, buddy. I, I miss playing people in the store. I don't like this life.
1: It's <laughs> not what I agreed
0: to. All right, Chris. So, what are some other nerd things we can do while we're kind of stuck inside, if you will? Okay, so we talked about playing with um, playing on Vassal. We talked about
1: painting. We talked about podcasts. Are there any other elements to being a nerd? talked about even like looking into new games learning new games
0: i would would say another one that you can do is you can also do some reading on the background of the story that you like playing so for example malifo guild ball 40k whatever you play there's a lot of background fluff that you might not have gotten to and now is a great time to do that i feel
1: yeah, I agree with that. I'll tell you what you shouldn't do because you will get yourself into trouble. Is do not go searching through Kickstarters of new games that you can back because then did you you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, I just backed who goes there last night.
0: Nice. <laughs> have you
1: have you heard about who goes there? No. Okay. <laughs> so, um it's it, so who goes there is the original story that John Carpenter's The Thing was based okay. on. So like that concept of like, you know, there's the group and, you know, there's the thing and they have to figure out, you know, which person is infected by it or whatever. So obviously, well, and you know this, like one of my favorite mechanics in a board game, especially one that you're playing with a group of people is what?
0: One of your favorite things, what?
1: One one of my favorite mechanics in a board game that you're playing with a group of people is what? I'll give you a hint. This mechanic exists in Betrayal at House on the Hill,
0: like a secret element.
1: Yeah, like a like a secret betrayer element. Like yeah. Betrayal at House on the Hill, uh,
0: Battlestar Galactica, right? Like there, we should totally play if you like that mechanic, Chris. We totally should play um, <sighs> Fury of Dracula because one person is Dracula and the other players are trying to hunt him across Europe. Yeah, and. And there's like a day and night mechanic. And when the timer goes to the night, it makes Dracula so much more powerful where he can pretty much one shot somebody. And I feel like you'd like that one a lot too.
1: Yeah. Right. So, uh, or, uh, or we've played things like bang or other uh, just games where there's kind of like that unknown. And like, you have that suspicion about the others in the group. Oh yeah. Um, I just love those mechanics and who goes there has like it's a true. ton of those mechanics. Oh, that's cool. So, and then it has like different sets of models and there was one expansion pack that had this dude and his dog so of course like you know that I'm getting that Oh yeah like just of course and or or one expansion had like a dude that was a
0: helicopter pilot to where they have to like escape right and they have to get out did of Did you our- uh, speaking of ordering things you shouldn't did you order the Shepherd's Guild yet I have not uh, But. okay yeah, like uh, I will
1: one day have that Shepherds Guild. It's just not yet.
0: It's not not in the pipes yet, huh?
1: Yeah, not not quite yet. Because I, I won't be playing it right away.
0: So. Yeah, and, and there's definitely something for that because one of our friends actually, he was just going online kind of late at night and I think he took his sleepy pills and accidentally bought like a commander deck for magic. And <laughs> they were very surprised when they found it coming to their door. Wow, just it's yeah. kind of like buying stuff when you're drunk. Ambien's
1: a hell of a drug, I
0: guess. Right? <laughs> Old it, sleepy time medicine. It'll,
1: it'll get it. It'll get into your wallet, and it'll get you fired from Roseanne if so, you are Roseanne.
0: <laughs> so, we do have some questions from our patrons, Chris. But I did want to see before we get into their questions, what are some things? Maybe non-nerd related that you found yourself like maybe some tips just to keep yourself occupied and things you want to do.
1: Well, I've been resisting this. Uh you can tell me if you have given into this, but apparently everyone wants to be all about a you know gay redneck zookeeper these days. I don't get it. But
0: that's, about that like, Tiger King show? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Everybody's talking about that shit.
0: I think it looks stupid, so I haven't watched it yet. So,
1: I've heard people say that it's, like, uh, actually amazing. And these are people that, like, I trust their their opinion in television shows and stuff. And they're like, actually, yeah. it's, like, really good. It's like the Redneck Game of
0: Thrones. So, what you're saying is we should binge watch carefully on Netflix? I I, I guess. Like, b- binge watching shows that you've always wanted to get to is absolutely I, a valid I way. will say... Beard Minis, who I feel like me and him were like separated from birth sometimes because we like a lot of the same things. Okay. Except for he, he has a wicked, cool English accent. Is uh, He said that the community is on Netflix now. And I'm all about that. I love the community.
1: Like the Joel McHale show?
0: Yeah, buddy. Yeah. So what? They put that on in, when they got rid of the office or something? I guess. Okay. Dude, I dude, community is so funny. If I I can't imagine anybody that hasn't seen it, but if you haven't seen the D&D community episode, just go check that out. That episode is so freaking hilarious. What's the other
1: one that's like in that Oh, Parks and Rec. It was yeah. like The Office community and Parks and Rec. Those that's like the the Trinity.
0: Yeah, par, I mean Parks and Rec is always good. Yeah. I saw, I saw a good meme, and yeah, also, this is kind of one of mine. If you get bored throughout the day, just check out some good memes. But <laughs> I, I love the – there was a good meme where it was like, if you couldn't appreciate my Chris Pratt recreation, Parks and Rec body, then you don't deserve my Star-Lord Chris Pratt body.
1: Okay, I'm going to show you my favorite meme of the season. and of the Of the COVID-19 season? Yeah, the COVID-19 era. Okay. And uh, you can decide if you would like to share this with the listeners. It is coming through to you right now.
0: <laughs> that can't be that. That, that. I'm telling you. That's what it is. Look, like, zoom in. I mean, I get it. But apparently, Chris is confident, but not Andrew Cuomo exposing his pierced nipples during a pandemic press conference. Confident. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best one I've seen of the season. I, I can't believe a guy that age would have his nipples pierced. Those got to just be some, I don't know. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, something. man, like those powerful politicians, they're into some wild shit, I guess. I mean, I don't doubt it, but <laughs> that's pretty messed up. <laughs> so be careful what memes you check out while you're. Be careful what memes your there. friends send to you. Next thing you know, Chris is ordering chains and whips and whatnot. Whoa!
1: That's not that's not me. The whole point of that meme is I am not that. <laughs>
0: Fair, yeah. Oh man. So uh, anyway,
1: um, but yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's watching shows, movies that I've always wanted to get to. This is just outside of the gaming related stuff. Uh, yeah, books I've wanted to read, uh, podcasts I've wanted to listen to outside of just gaming podcasts, comic books like. Uh, the comic books one i've actually I, i've actually like thought of that being one of the more important ones along with like game stores about people like go out and support those local businesses because game stores and comic book shops are not big you know companies that are built no, they're, they're, they're they're struggling so go go support your local game store go support your local comic shop
0: Yeah. And chances are a lot of them and our local game shop is doing a really awesome job of this where they're, I mean, he's offering curbside pickup offering, you know, to meet you across town if you want, just, they're really trying to work with you and they realize that people need stuff to do. So they're ordering and obviously they can't get everything that you want or need just because a lot of the vendors and suppliers are shutting down and That's one thing that I think is important to talk about is we do notice things like uh, release dates have been pushed back. I know the Wizards has pushed back the new set. I think it's Ikoria has gotten pushed back till May. I know that Crisis Protocol has pushed back a lot of their April and May uh, uh, releases. So like Gamora, we don't know when we're going to see her. Uh, Song of Ice and Fire, there's a couple things where we don't know when we're going to get those. And so it's just one of those things where, yes, you can order stuff probably from your new shop, but just realize you might not be able to get it. And also, if a nerd store starts price gouging you, fuck that. (laughs) Dude, how could (laughs) they price gouge you at this point? They're already like worried about you going and buying
1: everything online.
0: Well, I saw one store where they had like 40K stuff. Huh. And they actually bumped it like we're charging an extra almost 20 bucks for a box and it it's just because they're not available in a lot of places so people called them out on it and they kind of didn't change it so people were like yep not shopping at that store again so yeah I would say try to support them kind of like what Chris said that's something that you should definitely do also I think that this is a good time for just projects just making stuff doing stuff running the lows to get stuff to improve your house improve your apartment, uh, maybe even make that nerd table you've been wanting for a while, if you're handy at all, that is.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, obviously, you have a spouse that makes you do projects. I'm happy to not do projects, but yeah, that's just me.
0: <laughs> I'm happy to lounge around and not accomplish anything. So we do have a couple of questions that we did get from our patrons. And if you guys aren't a patron of the show, we do put out a lot of content. We are going to once hopefully this whole pandemic's over, we are going to start putting out video content, which we might start doing anyways. I got a webcam or uh, one of those kind of clamp webcams ordered to put above the gaming table so that way we can start streaming and doing stuff like that. So if you like our content and you want to support the show, go ahead and give us a check out at our Patreon page. We are going to order more dice. Uh, We currently only have a set amount, so if we do get an influx of patrons, the dice might look a little different. But we are going to still hand out dice. And I don't know, Chris, should we spoil what we're kind of currently working on? No, no, I don't think we should spoil that. I think we should. Okay, well, there's something else that... We might have available to patrons in the very near future, especially you Malfo folks would like it. So, but we do have a couple of patron questions. I just wait, wait, wait,
1: before, before we get to patron questions, I sure. do have one more thing that I want to ask you. Go ahead. So, of the shit that I have to paint, if you could choose three projects that you're like, Chris, you need to get those done, what are the three projects? Because I do have things like, you know, on uh, I've never painted my cooks up. For instance, for Guild Ball, um, I have this Dreamer crew. I like. What are the things that you know I haven't painted? That you're, uh, I have God tier, right? What are the things that I haven't painted that you're like?
0: You need to get those painted. So you need to paint your Dreamer crew first because playing a lot of Malivo. Okay. I would also paint, probably at least paint up a couple of your um god tier I don't know what do they call them champions okay and then like I, and then I would also work on your cooks because you worked really hard on the basing for those and I think they would look really slick painted up
1: okay so so yeah that like yeah I'm just trying to think what what other ones I mean obviously I've got all sorts of walking dead stuff but I yeah, think you like you're priority I got my Starks. Yeah, I've I've been way, way behind on my painting.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I would start, I do, man, I, I kind of want to see what you do with that Malifaux crew. Cause if you guys haven't seen those dreamer models, they're just so cool looking, they're monsters. And then you got the creepy little boy apparently holding a severed monster's hand. (laughs) No, no,
1: no, no, no. It's just a smaller monster. Is it? So it's, it's, so it's like a monster that's like the size of a teddy bear. That's just reaching up and holding his hand.
0: Oh, so it's like a cute kind of monster. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And then I've got that, like, so then the the teddy bear that I have is like a limited edition one. Like, it's not the regular one. And I think I'm going to paint it up like a panda teddy bear.
0: <laughs> oh, dude. So, I was talking to, I think Scott has some of those extra stitch stitched together models. You know, those boogie, oogie. Wait, th- those are the ones I need. Yeah, and they're good. They got nerfed a little bit, but they're still pretty good. So I think you should get those from Scott. Okay,
1: well, I got to talk to Scott about that. Because I've been looking but. for those. And then I need the. I also need those little guys that are like, I, I want to say like hyenas. Like they kind of have like a furry look to them. Yeah. But I don't remember what those guys are called. Craig is probably listening to this just freaking out that he, he knows the answer to this question, but can't yeah.
0: tell me. You're talking about these. <laughs> yeah so okay so now that i know what i'm painting yeah. what are the questions of craig craig is a patron of the show thanks craig for being our new patron we're trying to build that up a little bit more so craig became a patron of the show and he asked you to rank these by importance so these are things that are important to you when we're looking at a game so the things that he wants you to rank are theme, mechanics, cost, balance and time it takes to play. So theme, mechanics, cost, balance, time it takes to play. Which of those are most important to you?
1: Probably
0: probably balance
1: is number 1. Okay. And then and then the mechanics. And I I look at those Yeah, so so if a if a game has busted mechanics it's really hard for it to be a balanced game yeah so like I look at those pretty similarly um, what about cost you're pretty I'm pretty, pretty thrifty. thrifty yeah guy. yeah um,
0: that actually so what are the other other two that I have like the other of the five uh, theme cost and time it takes to play okay so
1: my third is gonna be theme. I want to play a game that's something that I'm interested in. So cost actually comes down pretty low because I feel like even pricey games you can like find a way.
0: I like, say you never didn't even really bat an eye when you were kind of getting Space Wolves and and uh, <laughs> yeah, you got those and that wasn't cheap.
1: Yeah, those weren't cheap and and then I sold them. <laughs> Because some other asshole that said he was getting into the into forty K didn't get into it. But I actually sold all that shit for a profit. I still have some of that shit to sell if anyone wants some random Space element. Junk. <laughs> yeah, like like I I have like the metal um Bjorn dreadnought. Yeah. Like the old one. Yeah. Um like like there are just some random things that I still have. So if someone wants to talk to me about some wolf shit, get at me um but yeah so cost cost actually comes down pretty low time it takes to play is probably the lowest right like okay. if somebody's like okay you can get a game in in half an hour or you can get a game in in two hours you know obviously i just adjust accordingly to whatever time i need to play the game yeah so time it takes doesn't really matter to me but yeah, I don't want to play a game that's. I don't want to play a game that's broken. I've gone on a lot of rants over the history of this show about why broken stuff fucking ruins games. So, yeah, balance, then mechanics, then theme. I want. I want to play something that I feel is a cool concept, and then cost, and then yeah, yeah, then uh, time.
0: Yeah, my first one is definitely, I think, theme's most important to me. If if I like the idea of it, then I'll, I'll at least give it a try. Mechanics is going to come in second just because once I think it's a cool-looking game and I like kind of the background of it, then I have to go, okay, now do the mechanics, one, do they fit the play style of the game? And then two, are the mechanics working enough where... I feel like you can make intelligent and interesting choices throughout the game, so mechanics are pretty important. That's one of the reasons why, when Warhammer switched to us to uh, Age of Sigmar, that I just couldn't keep up with it because I was not a fan of them. Like I still loved, even though the story jumped the shark, so to speak. I still was okay enough with the story that I could have played it if I liked the mechanics. But the mechanics are so kind of janky and wonky and kind of easy to play that I, I was just kind of done with it. I'm like, this isn't, I don't want another skirmish game with this many models. It, it, it was something I liked the formations and the movement of Warhammer Fantasy. So mechanics is pretty important to me. Uh, balance probably comes next. I, I want it to be relatively balanced. I'm okay with some overpowered stuff just because that's the nature of any game. You're going to have some stuff that's broken. You're going to have some stuff that's not good. And I'm okay with that. Uh, just know that if you're playing a less powerful thing and you play against somebody of equal skill with the more powerful thing, they probably should win.
1: Uh, you're and okay with that, that last, because
0: you'll jump on that bandwagon and play the OP thing. Well, you know, when in Rome. <laughs> okay, go ahead. And, so you got cost and um, time as your last ones. Cost is probably my second to last one, just because I do like, I'll probably trade more for stuff if I can, just because I do like keeping the cost down. But if I have to splurge and buy something brand new out of box, I don't mind doing that. I'm not going to buy a bunch of Forge World stuff that's going to cost thousands and thousands of dollars. I've never done that, but I I can understand some people like it because it's cooler, but the big thing that I really don't care about is time to play. When I go nerding, it's that's where I am. I, I'm out of the house for hours anyway. So if it's a, a game that plays quicker, I just get more of those in. If it's a longer game, I just get one in. So I have no problem getting one game of Malifaux or getting three games of Crisis Protocol. It doesn't matter to me.
1: And uh, you know which, that every year happens. you have the Summer of Pete
0: to play all the games you want. You know, and that's another thing. I can just be like, hey, man, come on over. Yeah, Ty's here, but that's, that's fine.
1: <laughs> so, you know, it's interesting that you say that about like theme and how you ranked it because knowing you, I actually believe that mechanics is the most important to you because I have seen you so many times with games. Just give a game a try, not because you were really that interested in it, not because you had read up on the story or you thought the models were so amazing. Um, like, for example... Me getting you into Guild Ball, you didn't want to try Guild Ball because the models were so amazing to you, or you loved the idea of medieval soccer. And with Malifaux, you didn't get into that because you know you 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 were actually prejudiced against Malifaux. But you did it to you know give give something a shot with Scott and and you know just kind of share an experience with him as your buddy. But I feel like mechanics totally get you into games. Like as soon as I, you start seeing outwards.
0: The thing I will say, though, and the reason why I rank theme higher is because theme can override the mechanics for me. Like if I think that an idea of something is so cool, but the mechanics still aren't there. Like I remember playing orcs and goblins in Warhammer Fantasy when they were not good and there was just something about the chaos that you just loved playing. Well, I did because I just loved that style of I'm going to swarm you. I'm going to throw all this random stuff at you and it's going to work a half the time, but the other half of the time it's going to go terrible. And it's something where you're right. I, I did play other factions that were mechanically more sound and more reliable. And I won a lot more games with them, but Man, the times when that chaos works—it it was so much fun. So I, I agree with you. It's probably close, and maybe sometimes the mechanics are more important. But a good theme will get me into a game or get me into a faction more times than not. Okay. Yeah.
1: I. Uh, okay. So what's a, what you got? More questions for us?
0: Yeah. So got one more question from Gabe, and we'll probably wrap this one up shortly. But our buddy from Georgia, Gabe, asked. Of the tabletop games systems you guys are playing right now, which do you feel have the most or least amount of randomness? And how do you feel that impacts your enjoyment of each of them? So out of the ones you're playing now, Chris, we'll start off with which one feels the most random out of the games you're playing?
1: Probably probably Song of Ice and Fire, I guess. I, I'm sure the answer would be God Tier, but like I just haven't really cracked into God Tier yet. Okay. Okay. So,
0: so why would you say Song of Ice and Fire since we haven't tried God Tear out that much yet?
1: Yeah, so Song of Ice and Fire, probably it feels like really random sometimes because of not only are there the components of rolling dice and rolling a lot of dice and they could swing all over the place, but also the combination of that tactics board and, like, the little things that an opponent can do to, like... Playing cards. Ch- yeah, play, playing cards and switch up what you think you can do. Like, it just seems a little bit more wild, I guess. Like, but but I don't think that that's one that, like, is really, really uh, swingy and random. Like, I, like uh, games that are really swingy and random, I generally don't play. So, yeah. I guess Song of Ice and Fire, amongst the games that I play...
0: I have seen you get some attacks off where you didn't get, like, anything and flip out pretty good during A Song of Ice and Fire.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, like, you see me flip out like that. Like, I don't feel like that is so much more likely than in Guild Ball or Malifaux. Like, you've seen me, like, lose my shit over, you know, (laughs) the cards in Malifaux. You've seen me lose my shit over Guild Ball. So, I mean, I'm just prone to do that. But, yeah. uh, I don't feel like any of those games, I feel like all of them are pretty comparable. Um, I guess I, I guess I would put the two dice games. So Song of Ice and Fire and, and Guild Ball before, uh, Malifaux, cause Malifaux, at least you have the cheat in mechanic with the, with the hand of cards.
0: Yeah. And I so feel you like have a there's little a little lo- more control. There's a lot of crews that can cycle through cards in Malifaux, the control hand helps you kind of prevent that a little bit. You can stone for cards. So Malifo, which I used to think the card system was stupid and really random, I've learned has a lot of control and a lot of uh, trips and tricks and things you can do to help sculpt your hand to the way you want it to look. So I've kind of gotten over that one and you know seen the light, if you will. But the game I think is most random that I play right now is actually Crisis Protocol. Because when you generate your attacks, you have so many dice that you throw into whichever power that you do, and you have to either get the hits or crits, or I think you can also hit, is it the, I don't have the dice near me, but it's, it's the explanation point, I believe. And if you hit those, it's a hit. And if you get a crit, you get to roll the die again and possibly get another hit. So it's just sometimes where if you get a crap ton of crits, and then all of a sudden you roll again and get a bunch of hits on top of that. Then you can really start generating a really ridiculous amount of hits. And there's just times where your model just gets knocked down. Whereas on the defensive side, if I only get a few hits and you just roll stupid hot and block all my hits, it can get pretty bad as well. And actually the same company, cause that's a, I think it's fan, fantasy flight. No, it's not fantasy flight. It's, um, God, is it Fantasy Flight? I got the box right here. Hold on. Feels like Fantasy Flight. It's it's almost the same feeling that I had with Star Wars Legion, where the dice, sometimes they get super hot and get a bunch of hits. And then other times, you would just get blanks, and you just die because you rolled blanks. And it, it, it was just really frustrating. And I feel like Crisis Protocol does a lot of the same things, but they kind of embrace it more, which makes it okay sometimes. But it makes it hard to be more tactical with that game so yeah it, oh, those are probably my two random more random games that i play
1: i'll tell you the one that actually and, and this is going a little bit outside but i'll tell you the game that is the most random that i play is kingdom death because you oh, could just you could just be playing and have a character that you think is good to go and all of a sudden you roll dice uh, you you, you, roll, you roll a die and it's like and we're just des- destroying all of this person's armor that you had just worked so hard to make.
0: Isn't it if the artificial intelligence flips a certain card that sometimes it can just be like, oh, you're dead?
1: Yeah, well, definitely. And and the hunt phase of that game where you don't know if you're going to like go through a bug patch and just a bug's going to take out someone's eye and they were supposed to be your archer. Like, yeah. then you're fucked. You know, uh, we we actually had with Markel and his girlfriend. We were playing a game where we loaded up a character with to be a tank, basically, and like they had all this armor, and then they got like this crazy disorder that they ripped off all their clothes because they were like freaking out that their clothes were on them or something, and I was like, well. Fuck us, right? So, like, our whole plan to have this, all this armor on this one tanky model, like, that just got blown up before we even encountered the creature that we
0: were hunting. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's definitely my most witty one. So what do you think is the least random out of the games you play? Malifaux. Oh, you think so now? Yeah,
1: well, just because of the control end. I mean, there's not yeah. one one that, that is... Is there another game that's more... No, that's... There aren't any games that we're playing that are no chance. Like, it's not like we're playing diplomacy very often or anything like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm just kind of eyeballing some games around the room right now. But I don't know. Actually, (laughs) you would actually probably disagree with this. But I don't know. War Machine can be not super random. Um, I, know you, I know you've had moments where you've missed kills and it's pissed you off, but I think generally speaking, once you set up your stacks, the dice don't impact as much of it because you can kind of control a lot of the math with it.
1: Yeah, I mean, so the just the nature of rolling dice is that the more dice you roll, the more likely you are to get average results, right? Yeah. And so rolling two dice and three, if you boost it in war machine and hordes.
0: Yeah. Cause I think the most you throw in war machine and hordes is what five dice. Maybe if you're like a master.
1: Yeah. If you're like crazy, but like usually it's like two, three, maybe four, like yeah. five would be very rare, but I agree. That's very different than rolling 10 dice in guild ball on a charge. Yeah. Right. Like, rolling those 10 dice, you know that you're likely to get a certain number of successes and you could be disappointed by that. But like the idea of two dice, just whiffing in war machine and like, so I don't know. It just depends on how you kind of feel about that. But I feel like you're more likely to get consistent average results by rolling more dice in general.
0: Okay. So how does that impact how much you like a game then? So when looking at whether it's reliable or whether it's random, how does that impact how you enjoy a game? What do you,
1: get? I would rather be completely reliable.
0: Like, like so you, you've stated before you would like an option to just say, I want completely average. Yes, exactly. Like I, so I you I, hate I, random. Yeah. I,
1: I want, I want, I want to know I have lost so many games and there, so there have been times that I've played people. Michael Klein's a good example, right? Where like he's a better gamer than me. And so, like, I lose to him because he's just more skilled than me. But then there have been a number of other games where I've lost a game and it's been one where I felt like my opponent didn't outplay me that game. It's just that I got fucked on a dice roll, right? Like, um, the most famous one that's just between you and I that you saw is that game that I played with Flay against your engineers, you remember that game. Oh <laughs> right, like where, where I just needed to roll average, right? I just needed yeah. I just needed average. And and I would have won that game against you um if I if it was only average, but instead like and I didn't even need it to roll average on every single one of the attacks. I just needed to
0: roll average on like Dude. What about when three we were in that two one two of the four and you were trying to push uh what was it it was i think it was blackheart you're trying to push blackheart off the board over by the goal and you just totally whiffed it and yeah you got it, so mad
1: yeah like i i'm I, yeah that like those instances just piss me off where i like i want i want a guild trait in guild ball where it's you may choose to not roll dice and just take average results <laughs> like, mathematically well, average result. And
0: I can see why you like a little bit of the of the Malifaux card mechanic, because you can say, well, I'm going to flip this, and as long as I don't hit the Black Joker, I can cheat out to make it successful. Yep. So I can understand why that's more appealing to you.
1: Yeah, and, and so, like, for me, in Malifaux, the worst experience, like, when I have the greatest amount of stress in Malifaux, is when I've used up, my control hand. And then I have to just deal with whatever actually comes out of that fate deck. And I'm like, fuck harder of the cards, just whatever comes off the top. Yep. Exactly. Like then I'm like, (laughs) fucking hell now I'm going to lose. Um,
0: so with with my competitive game, I definitely like more control and more, uh, you know, kind of stacking the odds in your favor. And even though you still might get the wrong flip or you still might get a bad dice roll, Like I remember there was a game I lost playing rat catchers where I had bone saw with re-rollable shooting the goal for the win. And I missed the re-roll and I was just like, okay, that's good. And I lost the game kind of frustrated and you're going to have those moments, but I like games where generally speaking, that's not going to happen just because like I said, I like games competitively where the better player is going to win. Now that being said, there are games that I like to play where it's just fun, right? It's just like let's just go kill stuff or let's just roll a bunch of dice or let's throw a bunch of salt. Let's just you know, let's just do this. Let's throw down. And that's why I like Crisis Protocol because it's just fun to play with superheroes and it's fun just to see what happens with some of these crazy powers and combinations and that can be really fun as well.
1: Yeah, sure. I it, you know, the the interesting part And this is like flipped and like reverse for me, right? Like all the competitive games that I play are the ones where I get stressed out because of the randomness of dice or cards or whatever. And then I get frustrated and I'm the most invested in those competitive games because they cost the most to buy into. You are spending time painting the models, you're spending time and money going to tournaments and all that kind of stuff. And yet, the board games that I play, there are so many of them that, uh, you know, they minimize that chance element. It's all about, like, the decision-making and the placement within the game. And so, you know, it's kind of interesting that the games that I play casually that I should care the least about having a bad game due to yeah. chance of dice rolls uh, are are the board games, and those are the ones that I have the most control, and I'm always typically playing games that I've made choices on. And then the other ones are, uh, you know, the the competitive games are the ones where I'm stressing myself up cause, out because there's too much randomness.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I can understand that.
1: Yeah, but I mean, like, obviously, if I wanted to, I could just sit there and play chess only, but that would that that's not as fun as like having the miniatures and all that stuff. So I, so I, I'm, I want a miniatures games that are more based on choice.
0: I'm going to switch this up a little bit, Chris, just because this is a question that I find interesting and it tells you a little bit about the player, but when you play board games, are you, are you more interested in board games that are cooperative or competitive
1: cooperative?
0: Okay. So why do you like the co-op ones better?
1: Um, I just think it creates a better experience for like the group. Um, I like obviously like I'm somebody that definitely can be very competitive with things and like I it can create hard feelings and it can create frustrations whereas like if you're playing a game that's co-op all of that is directed at the
0: game so what you're saying is when we played that one island game you didn't like it when people kept sinking your ships <laughs> yeah you guys are assholes <laughs>
1: <laughs> what is that fireball um, island is that what that game i don't know
0: i i kind of what is that? it survive it's tough because i do like co-op games but i also like a little bit of the chaos and i think this is why i haven't been invited back to play kingdom death monster because the one time well the couple times i played with you guys you weren't exactly yeah okay for, yeah you guys weren't exactly happy with my uh choices for well no 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 it, no
1: no, no, no. Like, the King Death Monster thing, that kind of died out because like that group broke apart as a whole, right? Matt moved away... Clay was on a different schedule. So when I've gotten back to King Beth Monster, it just so happened that it was a new group that formed organically. I was going over to Nick's every Wednesday night for dinner and that was kind of our routine and every other Wednesday rusted and his kids and it was just convenient. It's not that you wouldn't be welcome to King Beth Monster because of, you know, you deciding to be an asshole and
0: hide in the grass. Hey, I had something where it's like, "Hey, you can hide in this grass and not be eaten by a lion," and I was like, "Sweet." <laughs> but I
1: yeah, realized. like I, so I like I in board games, I gravitate toward the co-op, and I love you know betrayer mechanics in board games. Like I think that's fun. Like betrayal at House on so the Hill. You,
0: you like the deal type things too, where it's like, "Ah, oh, if you help me, we can do this," and blah blah blah.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I like that kind of stuff. Like, but. Even with like Betrayal at House on the Hill, where there's a betrayer mechanic, and it's fun to be on both sides of that, right? Because it's fun to be the group trying to fend off the betrayer, and then it's fun to be the betrayer, you know, and, and try to, you know, work some mischief in the group. So, but for all of those, I rarely have as much frustration and, um, you know, the, the bad rage quit type experiences in board games. I, I, I don't know why that is, but like, I think. Have you ever played,
0: um, have you ever played Pandemic, Chris?
1: No, but it seems appropriate given this
0: time. It is, but it's also hard as balls to play, man. I mean, each time I played it, it has been really hard and sometimes impossible to keep the Pandemic under control. Because in that game, if everybody's not doing their job, it's almost impossible I'm to... By their job,
1: do you mean staying inside and social distancing? Yeah, stay the fuck inside. <laughs> God. Okay, can I just go on like this? I, I won't turn this into a longer rant, but I'm just going to turn this into a mini rant. I hate those fucking commercials that are like, stay inside and that's what will make this be the shortest period of time or whatever. Like, I'm like, yeah. no, that's the opposite of what we're doing. We're staying inside to flatten out the curve, which means we're stretching this the fuck out. Like, that's not accurate. <laughs> and that just frustrates the hell lot of me.
0: Yeah, it's, it's tough. And it's one of those things where, like, just use your best judgment. Wash your damn hands. And
1: I got a question. I don't see that you're recording here anymore.
0: Yeah, I still am. But anyways, any last thoughts or anything you want to add, Chris, before we uh, roll out of this one?
1: No, just, uh, you know, paint your fucking models because everyone knows that they should. And that's really all
0: I have to say about that. Okay, well, last thing I'm going to say then is make sure that you check us out on Twitter. If you just put in rage underscore quit underscore wire, you can follow us. We follow a lot of different nerd stuff. Uh, I'll post some information about the just stuff we've been talking about in this show, and then you can check us out on Facebook at rage Quit Wire. Chris uh, does a lot of posting on there randomly, and that's where a lot of our episodes will go up. And then, like I said, if you want to support the show, check us out on Patreon. Patreon, become a patron, get you some cool dice, and yeah, it's it's uh, and some other surprises. Yeah, other surprises that we got in the works. Hey, Greg.
1: um. How would you feel about us ending this episode and then doing a very short, like, 15-minute mini-cast for the patrons?
0: Do you have something in mind yes. for the uh, patrons? We, we have,
1: like, something that we should have actually done on this
0: podcast, but... But we're saving it for the Patrons. Yeah, I mean,
1: like, well, we could put it in, but we're kind of at the end of wrapping up. So, I mean, it's... Uh,
0: yeah, let's go ahead and do this for the uh, patrons. We'll should we for... should we tease what it's going to be on the minicast? I mean, you need to tell me, because I don't know what it is. <laughs>
1: I, I think that we should do a minicast with our top apocalypse-themed games, given given the situation that we're in.
0: Uh, okay, okay. Yeah, we can talk about that.
1: Anyway, but we'll, we'll save that for the patrons
0: some dice flip some cards throw some salt don't kill your uh, significant others we're out peace <laughs>